right now we are in a situation of like a state of um, a surveillance. We are in a situation of that state of like a digital oppression as well. Right now we are standing up, you know, against this digital coup as well. You know, not just like physical coup. We are also standing against the digital coup, digital oppression as well. everyone and welcome to Pretty Good Podcast, Digital Rights in the Asia-Pacific with Engage Media. I'm Sarah. And I'm Bahi. And so we have had different episodes on Myanmar in the past on this podcast. But now that it has been over a year and a half since the coup, we'd like to further explore the different ways that the Myanmar military has been enforcing these digital oppressions against the Myanmar people. Our guest will be able to shed light more on how exactly the military is doing this. And so without further ado, here is our episode. Our guest today has been working as a digital rights advocate in Myanmar for over six years and has an extensive experience in political advisory, media and communication. She is currently the Asia-Pacific Analytics and Myanmar Lead of SSNOW, a global organization whose aim is to fight for human rights in the digital age. Welcome, Mawipyo. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and the work you are doing in Myanmar with SSNOW? Right now, I'm working um, as the Asian Pacific Policy Analyst as SSNOW, um, focusing on the Myanmar issues, mainly like working on the digital rights issues in Myanmar and also the advocacy for the, uh, the digital rights issues. Thank you. On February 1, 2021, Myanmar military launched a coup and seized full control of the government. Less than a decade after the nation began its transition to democracy. Over one year later, how would you describe the current political landscape in Myanmar right now? This 2021 coup um, is basically kind of like a, not just, you know, uh, putting a, um, a stop the development we have achieved, you know, for the last uh, decade. It's actually, I mean, it destroys, you know, everything like uh, what we have achieved so far in terms of like uh, economic development, in terms of, you know, um, uh, the, uh, pro, uh, the progress, you know, we had made in the, the democratic transition. And also even uh, the in terms of like uh, civil space as well, you know, civil space, you know, rights, uh, uh, respecting um, the uh, legal frameworks, and etc. So all these development, I would say about it has been, destroyed. Uh, so this is the basically like the situation currently we are in. And then another thing is when we are looking at about it, especially, you know, this coup, you know, happening right now, it is not just like a physical, you know, and also we are experiencing in digital as well. So when we look at about this, the whole telecom sector, um, basically this coup, you know, is this pretty much the same we are experiencing right now. So the telecom sector reform started in 2013. Um, but uh, with the opening of this the whole sector to these like uh, international players like Telenor, Uridu, 
Um, but now what we are seeing about it is like uh, this military, you know, bringing us, you know, bringing the whole country back to the pre-reform era, you know. So this is like uh, uh, right now we are in a situation of like a state of um, surveillance. We are in a situation of this uh, state of like a digital oppression as well. Uh, so this is, uh, I think, um, currently right now, what this is what we have been experiencing. And also this is uh, this currently right now what we are standing up you know against this digital coup as well you know not just like physical coup we are also standing against the digital coup digital operation as well that's very true uh, that uh, you mentioned about the fallback of all the progressive work we have 10 so far uh, uh, in, in Myanmar so uh, I mean for this episode we are keen to hear about how different stakeholders continue to oppress and silence critics of the military. Uh, for example, like on the telecom side, Telenor and Norwegian uh, multinational telecom company was said to say the business to a company whose 80% majority stakeholder is a military link to Pyongyang group. So how has this case progressed since uh, its announcement last month uh, this year? And what are the implications and risks of uh, you know this uh, process uh, to be faced when this happens? Out of the uh, the four operators right now, like the only Telenor and then Oridu are the uh, the foreign-owned, you know, um, operators in Myanmar. So that's why, like at, at the since the very beginning of you know uh, the the news coming out, uh, Telenor is going to sell, you know, that they, they are like uh, Telenor Myanmar um, uh, to at uh, um, to a, at the, at the time what we learned was to a company uh, called M1. So all these civil society groups, you know, including like at uh, digital rights activists and etc., we've been um, be quite like a book against this sale, you know. So at the very beginning of the coup, uh, we rely on Telenor because Telenor, compared to the uh, the others operators, Telenor is a Norwegian company. So that's why we regard it, you know, as a much more uh, responsible, you know, operator because the other three, you know, um, the, the, apart from like uh, Oridu, I think the other two are one is owned by the, uh, the, uh, the a joint venture with the military business. Another one is the MPT, is the um, the state-owned um, ent enterprise. So that's why we we uh, we regard you know Telenor uh, as a as an entity as an operator which is much more uh, responsible. So that's why we've been encouraging you know like all the activists and also like uh, um, even individual users as well you know to use Telenor to choose Telenor than the others operator. So right the so that the the news of uh, about this like a sale you know Telenor planning to sell to an entity which is which has a link to the military. It was kind of like a backstepping you know for us this is like how we feel this situation we wrote a letters to different you know um, the Norwegian government and also the Norwegian CEO sitting in the Norway um, and then requesting about like uh, to stop the sale so this is like how we had been uh, engaging in the last uh, I would say about it like even a little bit a uh, bit about like a uh, uh, a year, you know, since, since we hear that the news and etc. But the thing is, like, uh, uh, I would say about Telenor doesn't really listen to our concern. Telenor doesn't um, then, um, that take into the consideration of the risks, you know. They are sold to the, 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 the company related to the military, which might end up on the, the, their own staff, local staff, and also the, the, their own users, you know, 18 million users in Myanmar. So uh, basically, I would say about, you know, like uh, they finish up uh, this sale uh, earlier this year. And then the uh, the, the 
Look, it is pretty much like a quite very rapid, uh, in a very rapid manner, and also in a very uh, untransparent manner because you know there are no kind of like uh, engagement from the Telino side with the civil society groups, and there are no engagement from this uh, the Telino both like a local uh, team and also the uh, the global team. You know, uh, trying to listen, trying to address the concern of the uh, the people um, um, on the ground. You know, uh, raising about these concerns and etc. So there are a number of uh, current uh, activities going on. For example, a number of the civil society groups find a case against um, Talino at the OECD complaint. So right now, what I understand about it is um, uh, the, the uh, Talino and then the representatives from the civil society group are having a mediation process uh, at, at this uh, in the Norwegian uh, no, uh, no, organized by the Norwegian and uh, OECD office. So um, uh, we are not really sure about the, uh, the what will come out of this uh, this mediation process. But the thing is, um, I mean, the, here I would like to stress about it is Talino. Uh, sell their, their business to a company which has a strong link to the military and also handed all these like 18 million users data to that company and then basically Telenor definitely need to be accountable for whatever impacts you know um, uh, we will see in the in the future because of their action because of their sale to this military linked company so that's they need to take accountable for. Hui Piu, thank you very much for the comprehensive overview of the current situation in Myanmar, especially as regards to Telenor. I just want to be doubly sure you're saying now that in Myanmar, there is no telecommunications company that is not linked to the Myanmar military. Right now, I think uh, four operators, right? Like Oridu mm -hmm. is the uh, foreign-owned um, enterprise. Uh, so uh, I would say about like uh, not all, but like three major operators are um, uh, linked to the military. So that's me, you know, uh, because Oridu is uh, a foreign ent entity. But the thing is, this is Oridu is the smallest, you know, operator in terms of market share in Myanmar. So right now, so that's me, like uh, three companies which has a link to the, uh, the the military in terms of ownership and in terms of management they pretty much like uh, um, uh, take the almost like at uh, 85 to 90 percent of the market share of the telecommunications industry in Myanmar yes uh, that is indeed worrying and you had also mentioned already the uh, connection and the implications of this sale to the different to the Myanmar people and I was just wondering as well you also mentioned about how this can be used, their data will be used against them by the military one way or another, and there is a real fear of that. So my next question is, how does this then relate to the other uh, laws and initiatives by the Myanmar military that have already been enacted? We've heard in February this year, the cybersecurity law that's long been drafted has been again put forth, and there's also regulations on virtual private networks, VPN, social media, and such. So how does this latest blow with Telenor relate to all these other measures already? 
Yes, um, I think uh, particularly like uh, um, this uh, draft law, what I what we've been hearing about it is not a positive news. To be honest, uh, uh, we only hear from the uh, the kind of like uh, the, the stakeholders who have somewhat like a connection to the military. Um, we haven't hear anything uh, the directly from the military yet. So, uh, but the thing is like uh, the, what we had been get the information gathered from all these different stakeholders. What we understand about it is military is not dropping this draft law, this draft like a quite problematic uh, cyber security law. So, and then there are like at, um, uh, in the last uh, four or five months, um, uh, there are like a uh, pushback, you know, from the uh, especially private sector um, uh, by using this like a different uh, chamber of commerce uh, to pressure the uh, the uh, the military um, uh, to amend on the draft law, uh, especially like uh, because there are many many provisions which can be quite problematic, uh, not just on the uh, the uh, the digital digital rights related issues. And also even the uh, the operations of the uh, the business as well. So what we understand about it, there is a strong pushback uh, from the private sector, um, uh, particularly on this law. But what we understand about it is, um, I mean, the military is not convinced. Uh, so that's me. You know, um, we haven't had like uh, uh, any news, any things like a military. Uh, we, uh, I mean, these uh, private sector can change the military uh, to drop this uh, draft law. So that is the situation, especially related to this draft law. Yeah. Could you elaborate more on the effect this has had not just on the private sector but on civil society as a whole? So I think the Myanmar situation is unique in this case in that there are so many new regulations specifically related to digital activism and uh, specific to digital oppression. So right now, uh, what we had been seeing about, you know, military has been... Um, uh, taken, you know, uh, a number of measures, right, to strengthen their grip, you know, over both um, uh, online and offline civil space, you know. So this draft law is, I would say about it, like a kind of, you know, the latest attempt, you know, by the military to be able to, uh, to, uh, uh, to be able to strengthen, you know, their control over both online and offline uh, civil space. So that is how we how we understand. So, I mean, um, uh, especially there are so many, like uh, I, I would say about, you know, like uh, um, uh, complications of this law, you know, which can have impacted on and also like it uh, and the others law as well. Like, for example, you know, right now, um, um, uh, the, the issues like uh, we are currently early facing about it is, you know, like uh, the, the military has been uh, be, be issuing like uh, uh, a number of uh, different orders, right? Um, like uh, orders to uh, to shut down the internet orders to um, um, related to the data request order to switch these um, uh, intercept technologies and you know etc but none of these um, are the, um, the the private sector that's me teleco and also internet service providers none of them have um, uh, disclosed you know this information publicly yet you know so a military has never said about anything these kinds of order publicly and also um, uh, we haven't really hear anything back from the uh, the private uh, sector, the telecos and the internet service providers, you know, about uh, discussing about these orders or pushing back, you know, or resisting against these orders and etc. We haven't really seen. So that's why, like, it, um, uh, we first thing I would like to say about it is we are not currently right now. It's not really clear about, you know, how the military has been abusing, you know, the existing law. 
right? So that's me telecommunications law and also the others, other law as well. So definitely, like uh, right now, we have been see, seeing about it, as you all know, since the very uh, the first day of the coup, you know, the, uh, the military just switched off the internet, right? And then for the last six months, you know, what we have been seeing about it is like a growing number of like a regional internet shutdowns, you know? So every, I mean, anywhere, like especially like uh, these, uh, the areas, you know, currently right now, like uh, the people resistant against the military has been quite intense, you know? And then we have been seeing about, you know, this area, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the internet shutdowns has been quite frequent, you know, the regional level internet shutdown has been quite frequent. And also when we look at about the time of these like uh, regional shutdowns are happening, it is quite uh, happening, you know, simultaneously when the military basically early, early, um, uh, in, uh, entering into these regions and then attacking the uh, the, uh, the villages, actually like abandoning these villages, killing people. And then and also we have been seeing about all these like uh, different records of, you know, torturing, killing, you know, like abandoning houses and etc. So we have been seeing the evidence, you know, regional shutdown has been um, happening in those areas pretty much like a simultaneously military has been uh, been um, uh, doing these kinds of attacks you know on the uh, the, uh, the, um, the villages and then and the, the civil areas and etc so that is how uh, I mean internet shutdowns are um, basically uh, we, uh, we are is currently uh, literally talking about the how serious it is and then the other one is the um, intercept technologies right so um, uh, what we understand about it is like a from, that's also from the Telenor sale because to one of the reason Telenor gave us you know um, uh, the reason you know they are selling that this uh, um, they are their business in Myanmar is because military being asking all the operators to switch uh, intercept technologies on. So that's why what we understand about it, all the operators have already complied these military orders to switch um, uh, uh, intercept technologies on. So that's me, you know, uh, the, the, uh, right now, even like it, um, um, the, our communications has been likely intercepted uh, by the military. Uh, this is that the, the intercept uh, situation we are uh, experiencing. And then recently, uh, we have been seeing about like, uh, there are a number of like uh, reports, you know, um, uh, surface is mentioning about uh, military uh, might uh, considered, you know, uh, to ask the um, uh, the uh, the IMEI number of these forms to be registered, you know. So we all know about, you know, linking the data of this like IMEI registration and also the the, the data they got it from the SIM card registration, you know. This totally gives the, the the power to the military to be able to get all these like uh, data needed, you know, to be able to identify and then locate the people, you know anytime they want so this is like a, i mean uh, right now we are not really sure about from which legal, i mean um, legal framework you know um uh, currently um, um the military has been using you know to be able to issue these kinds of orders to be able to uh, to to do these kinds of activities and etc because none of the private sector um uh, private companies has disclosed about this information either so that's why we cannot really say about whether they are even the, uh, the justifying you know by the local law so that is the situation and then let me a little bit touch on this uh, this cyber uh, new draft cyber security law so we uh, and the cyber society groups are since the very beginning you know uh, since this draft law was uh, we um, leak you know um, uh, at the uh, the <coughs> 
beginning of the last year, in February last year, uh, we um, stand up, you know, and then we against this law. Uh, that uh, from this like a two um, ground. One is military doesn't really have a legitimacy, you know, to be able to draft a law because they are not a legitimate government. In Myanmar, and then the second thing is the content in the law. You know, normally, like it, this cybersecurity law itself. You know, um, in a normal second step, right? This is the kind of the law we uh, at countries need because this this protect uh, uh, critical infrastructure. This protect like uh, uh, data related to these like uh, uh, the individuals. Um, uh, uh, the, of people uh, inside the countries um, of the, uh, to be uh, be basically um, uh, protect from these like a uh, cyber attacks right and also to be basically hacked and you know losing these data and you know etc so this is in a normal circumstances this is the kind of the law we usually we would welcome you know um, and, uh, of course you know with the, uh, the, the with uh, all these like uh, if the, the the law has a uh, rights respecting uh, that that law is drafted in a rights respecting manner but right now you know um, uh, this draft law is drafted uh, and brought it by an illegitimate kind of you know body yeah and also that when you look at about the content instead of you know um, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, totally you know serving the whole like uh, the opposite of the law supposed to be right uh, instead of like as uh, to protect the uh, the interest of the people um, uh, now this law when you look at about the content you know they are basically this the whole the whole provision i mean all these like uh, different provisions are um, drafted and designed you know to protect the military rule and then to protect the uh, the military interests you know and also to be able to expand you know um, uh, to be able to give the military the power uh, to do all these like a uh, surveillance and monitoring to, to, on the uh, the, uh, uh, the violating you know our our individual privacy etc so this is why that's that's on that ground you know on that two grounds you know we are standing against this law so that's 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 basically how i mean uh we've been pushing um uh, the, the international like a, um, uh, foreign governments and also we've been pushing the uh, the um, uh, uh, international body like un and etc um uh, to push uh, the uh, the military to talk this law as well Wait, Pio, just to clarify, you're saying that the military does not have the power and the mandate technically to pass these laws, so changing the draft security law to protect them and all these other measures. And yet how, uh, just to be clear, how are they able to then to enforce these? We are right now facing about it is like a digital oppression as well, right? By passing this law, you know they they were fine, uh, kind of like uh, um, uh, um, all these. They they were basically, you know, right now even whether we, uh, they have this law or not, they've been um, uh, using like uh, they've been abusing our rights, right? Even before this law has been passed, you know, you might heard about, you know, there are um, a number of like a uh, reports coming up, you know, people have been stopped uh, on, on the streets and then. Some they are um, that the police and the militaries are searching um, the phones of the people and then like uh, basically they are checking about their um, people use the uh, BBNs or not and etc if they find out about like uh, people using the BBNs install BBNs on their phone and etc these individuals get arrested you know so that is said be that's why I was saying about the regardless of this law uh, whether they pass this law or whether they, they I mean they don't pass this law and etc um, the thing is we are still already experiencing like uh, these um, all different kinds of like uh, digital operations we are experiencing right now so this is the the, the 
the, the, the currently the situation we have to talk about it so that's why like it i mean we uh, we totally reject uh, just having this law uh, we also reject you know the military uh, tree also uh, at the very first place as well military rule you know as the very first place as well we totally agree with you, Mao Weipiu, and uh, we cannot accept the military and also they don't have the legitimacy to pass the law. But on, on the ground, uh, that's true that we already experienced all kind of uh, operations. Even, I mean, uh, to be honest, they don't even need to pass a law because they already control the ground with the gang powers and all the violence and they threat, so, you know, they uh, capture so all the devices if they want to. So they have been, uh, uh, they, they have been doing threats uh, against uh, civil societies and also the political figures on the on the ground since uh, day one of the coup that uh, we we totally agree with you on that one and um, my next question is like uh, so we have been experiencing such kind of operations uh, with law or without law uh, is uh, is like uh, is uh, totally up to up to them uh, if they want to do a violence they can do a violence uh, to uh, telecom companies or a civil society or every individual so what we should expect uh, from from the military in the future what kind of operations and what kind of uh, uh, violations against our digital rights in the near future for these uh, coming months um, I think the, the uh, I mean what we need to expect about it like uh, we were seeded more about like uh, oppression um, uh, in terms of like uh, um, uh, the uh, access to in, uh, people uh, uh, restricting you know people access to internet the remaining access to internet so uh, even when we talk about the access to internet you know what we have be, uh, be seen about is not just the internet shutdown you know like uh, every Every time they went, they've been shutting down the internet, right? And also, they had been uh, been like uh, trying. Uh, they had. Uh, then you know a number of like uh, um, uh, measures you know they have taken like for example I um, mean even like uh, they have been already been. Um, uh, 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 banning, you know, like thousands of websites, you know, including uh, social media platforms and also including the media website as well. Um, that, so that's what they have already done. And then the other thing is like uh, in the, the last 18 months, what we have seen about it is they also increased the, um, the mobile data price as well, um, almost like at, oh, um, not almost even over 100 percent, you know, they, uh, they already increased uh, the mobile data price, you know, uh, making it like a, um, an effort. An effort Affordable, you know, for majority of the people. So that is what we have been seeing in in, uh, in I mean, since the the 2021 February, right? So um, what we are kind of like at, um, we need to expect this is definitely I think we will be seeing more increasing um, uh, um, uh, restrictions uh, by the military, especially early to control, you know, the uh, the people remaining access to the internet. So that's why definitely I think we uh, we will see um, kind of like a growing number of internet shutdowns, you know, in the different regions. That is uh, definitely. And the, the other one is the surveillance one, right? So for this, like uh, in, this, uh, in the recent months, you know, what we have been seeing about uh, 
the military has been uh, doing like uh, this is um, uh, I mean uh, a number of like uh, initiatives, a number of activities they have been doing about you know to be able to gather you know uh, more data and then to systematize you know the data they have in their hands and you know etc. And then to be able to identify you know these individuals and then to be able to locate you know who they are, where they are, and you know etc. So these recent uh, news, um, what we have learned from these recent news is on this like a uh, uh, request uh, making it like IMEI number of the forms um, registration, you know, as a mandatory and etc. This is quite uh, concerning for us because this were definitely early, um, put uh, almost everyone inside the country uh, at risk and then uh, military can easily, you know, can identify who they are and where they are and that they can easily locate them, you know, if they want to. So that's just, I mean, um, in these coming months, you know, we will definitely, definitely see these kinds of um, uh, kind of, you know, operation. And then I think like uh, from the civil society group point of view, I think we definitely need to make sure about like uh, the plans and, uh, and the, the um, how, how, to, how to mitigate, you know, these kinds of impacts. And also we need to, closely work with the different uh, stakeholders how to uh, to abrogate against this uh, uh, this military uh, digital operation as well not just the uh, the uh, the, uh, the issues happening early offline and also the issues you know um, uh, the the uh, the operation on the on, on our online space as well yes thank you for that um, overview it's really worrying then how far we expect the Myanmar military to go in terms of further restricting uh, everyone's access to internet, which is a very basic digital right. Um, I'm curious to know that in the year and a half already that has passed since the coup, and a number of these measures have already been um, have already been put to use, and a lot of the restrictions already in place. Would you say that people in Myanmar? are more aware of their digital rights and more aware of what they should demand uh, from the military? Or do you think even this kind of awareness of digital rights is something the Myanmar military is trying to take down? I would say it about like in a normal circumstance, right? Like uh, people pay less attention to the uh, the digital rights issues, right? Because this is like at um, uh, the the oppression or like at um, on, on online space, right? So not necessarily, you know, you know, you are not like a, uh, the uh, the uh, the physically like experiencing and you know etc. So that's why like uh, in a normal circumstance, we don't really see it like uh, that much, you know, public interest, public attention, and also uh, public like uh, trying to understand about this situation. You know, like this is, for example, internet shutdown, right? Um, uh, before this coup, you know, uh, in 2019, uh, we have, um, uh, I would say it about like a very early, you know, uh, internet shutdown experience in Rakhine and Chin State. Uh, the uh, the government at the time, you know, energy-led government switch off the internet in the uh, the, um, the western state in Myanmar. At that time, you know, when the, uh, the um, uh, um, uh, us, you know, digitalized as a digitalized activist, you know, when we uh, stood up and then uh, um, against uh, this internet shutdown and then there are many people uh, who doesn't really who didn't understand you know why we why we are uh, pushed uh, are saying against the this government order and also why we are stressing you know the importance of the of the internet you know um so right now i think i get i would say it about it like um, in, quite in this very unfortunate um 
uh, even unfortunate fate. You know, the country has been experiencing. But the thing is, like uh, from I would say about like uh, from this um, uh, public awareness on the digital rights issue, uh, we start seeing about you know some positive you know uh, I would uh, uh, positive you know kind of um, uh, awareness and uh, uh, people uh, or acceptance you know uh, by the people on the uh, the, uh, the the importance of the digital rights as well. Because like uh, right now, people already experience, you know, um, the impacts, you know, which kinds of implications the internet shutdowns can have on their daily life, you know, and also like uh, how how serious it can be, you know, yeah, and, and, and especially uh, these days and etc. in the in the conflict issue, and also on the other issues as well, like for example, digital security, you know, like uh, uh, I think like a number of um, uh, organizations inside Myanmar has been talking about like uh, uh, the importance of the digital security. And also the uh, the concerns around these like a uh, surveillance, you know, military uh, sub, um, uh, surveillance by the different, you know, uh, authoritative bodies and etc. Uh, previously, you know, before the coup, uh, nobody paid that much attention, you know, apart from the digital rights activists, right? So right now, I think uh, this is the kind of like uh, we got a chance, you know. I would say it about like uh, several lining, you know, um, uh, out of this situation, you know, we uh, we were um, uh, in a position, you know, to be able to. Uh, educate public and also to be able to make public aware, public understand about the importance of the digital rights issues. And then, like, uh, we also start seeing about like a growing number of people um, are aware about the uh, the uh, these uh, the importance of the especially on the digital security and the negative impacts of the surveillance, like a uh, digital surveillance and etc. So yeah, that is I think um, I would say it about. Um, some positive outcomes, you know, um, uh, at, at this situation we, we, we are experiencing. That's very true. Now, we see many people are start using Signet and other secure communication channel than before because we have been uh, advocating uh, for these applications. And uh, normally, uh, people are not interested in this kind of secure communication. Uh, before coup and also um yeah we we, we have been uh like a, in civil society in Myanmar have been speak out uh for digital rights since before coup and when the internet shutdown happened in Rakai and now uh what we are experiencing is as you mentioned uh uh in your answer so we are seeing the sympathies and also the awareness of the uh, uh, like uh, nationwide populations are aware of the digital rights and uh, um, digital safety issues uh, than before. That's like kind of uh, like a positive outcome that we, we um, achieve after coup uh, in a digital rights setup, but also um, yeah, man, many violations are also happening at the same time. So uh, my next question is like, uh, you, you already mentioned earlier uh, about the effort of uh, Myanmar civil society, uh, like uh, uh, re uh, like resisting the, the violations and operations on digital rights, human rights issued by Myanmar military. So uh, can you please uh, describe a bit more about uh, uh, you know, this effort and also what is the role of, uh, you know, Southeast Asia and other global organizations in assisting and helping uh, uh, to restore the democracies and digital rights in Myanmar um, in, in this very challenging time facing a dictatorship in Myanmar. So many civil society groups, including the digital rights um, uh, organizations, um, 
um, the, the, the situations currently we are facing about it is like uh, um, many of them, you know, uh, because of the, uh, the, uh, the military has been targeting like a civil society groups, military has been targeting the digital rights activists and etc. Myanmar. And also many of them basically kind of like have to close down, you know, their operation uh, inside the country. And also many of them, you know, have to move out of the country as well. So I think uh, this is the, uh, the reality we are currently facing. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, uh, definitely, I think there are like uh, um, uh, people, uh, I think like, oh, of course, you know, I, I, the, the point I would like to make about it is, you know, stay um, there, um, uh, the civil society group in Myanmar and also including the digital rights organizations are um, trying to raise this, uh, these issues, you know, but stay like uh, our capacity, I think, compared to the pre-coup region, uh, uh, pre-coup situation, is this quite limited. Uh, that's is, the that's is situations we are currently facing right now. And then uh, the, another thing is, you know, right now, like, think uh, um, uh, that I would say about, like, think uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, even before, you know, uh, the the uh, international uh, attention the, uh, the on the issues in Myanmar is like uh, relatively low, you know, um, uh, compared to the, uh, the the situations in many countries, other countries, and etc. But since the the uh, the like a Russian invasion in Ukraine and etc., I would say about like uh, the spotlight of the international spotlight has kind of like uh, moved away from Myanmar. So this is the situation currently we are facing, you know, on the ground. On a daily basis, you know, uh, the government has been shutting down the internet. Government has been, you know, um, sorry, 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 the, not the government, the military. The military has been shutting down the internet. The military has been, you know, um, banning the villages and etc. So, I mean, even if we look at about the figure, right, like uh, right now, almost like at, um, I mean, over 2,000 people have been recordedly killed, you know, that's things in the coup and etc. And also, um, I mean, when we look at about like internet shutdown, at, even at this stage, like currently going on, it's like a 54 townships has been on and off of the internet shutdowns they are experiencing. But the thing is, these kinds of issue, um, uh, we see about it like a very little attention from the international community and also the international media. So that is how, like, uh, um, I mean, with the civil society, local civil society groups, uh, including the digital rights activists and etc. So we are basically coming together to make like an uh, international community aware about these issues and also to push uh, their attention to the the, uh, the the issues happening in Myanmar as well. So that is like uh, right now, I think what we have been, uh, been currently working a lot, like uh, we've been uh, reaching out to these like uh, different um, uh, foreign governments and also we've been reaching out to these like uh, international bodies like UN and etc. And to make like uh, aware about the situations, what is going on in Myanmar. So that is the one thing. So I think like in that in that in that making you know international community understand about the situation. I think there are many like uh, um, uh, support, like uh, collaborative support, you know, we definitely need it uh, from the organizations, you know, uh, in uh, the the regional organizations. You know, um, uh, we definitely need a lot of support, a lot of like a collaboration. Uh, we need it like uh, uh, we would like to receive, you know, from these like a uh, regional like uh, organizations as well. So that will be quite because like uh, right now, um, even though there are still um, civil society groups trying to resist uh, against this military operation, but the thing is um, our capacity in the, is quite limited right now. So that's why in this kind of like a situation, we definitely need even like uh, the support of this like a regional organization, even more than like uh, um, that we needed uh, did before. You know? And yes, thank you for that, Wei Pio. And I do really want to take a moment just to 
pause and for people to understand that while we are indeed talking about digital rights in the digital space, this is only a facet of the larger issues and um, uh, hardships that the Myanmar people are facing. So when you mentioned all the lives lost, it whether they were um, active in the digital space or in the physical space resisting the uh, military, it's important to note that all these are connected and all these uh, should not, what we're discussing should definitely not take away from the bigger picture. But we do want to also share, uh, shed light in this podcast, though one of the many ways that the Myanmar military are targeting the Myanmar people, which is through the digital actions and these different digital oppressions. Going back to being more active in uh, fighting back, how do you think uh, civil society and the ordinary person, all these people severely affected by what is happening now, how can they stay safe and secure? In a normal circumstance, right, is this the, uh, the state duty, right, to protect people? Uh, so um, when we talk about the state, right, that's mean like a legal framework um, uh, are supposed to protect people and also the government itself is supposed to protect people. So right now, the situation of Myanmar, we, we don't have both. You know, we don't we don't have that uh, that framework anymore, right? The the laws are basically abused by the military to oppress people to violate our rights, and also like uh, the uh, the uh, the supposed to the kind of like uh, the governing body, right? The, the supposed to protect the people, right? But right now that the that kind of that body is the military, and that that mili- that body, the military itself, is this um is is, is the oppressor uh the, 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 for the people in Myanmar. So that's why, like, I think uh, both uh, legal, uh, both like a legal framework and also the uh, the the government itself are not um, doing their 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 responsibility to protect the people. So that's why right now it's ended up, you know, um, uh, the kind of like a um, uh, individual responsibility. Uh, the uh, we were saying about right. So that's this. I think like it, um, uh, we definitely need to. Uh, I think like there are different roles, you know. Um, we need to play. Uh, the one thing is to be able to push back these like uh, digital operation on the military in Myanmar, and also to kind of like uh, um, uh, protect, you know, shrinking our civic, you know, uh, online and offline uh, offline space, you know, both, you know, online space as well. So to protect, uh, the, so I think like uh, there are, um, I would say, I, I see that about it like uh, a number of like uh, um, activities uh, we can do, and also like at um, different, you know, in, in, individuals, you know, as a user of these like uh, digital tools, digital platforms, and stuff, they also have somewhat, you know, uh, need to take care of themselves. But at the same time, you know, like a civil society groups and also the private sector and also the international body. I think uh, we definitely also need to uh, to step in and that to be able to make sure about, you know, uh, 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 when is, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the to be able to have a secure and accessible, you know, internet access uh, that uh, people in Myanmar have to make sure about it. We definitely need to uh, to work on. Uh, then th- that is, I think, like uh, currently right now, you know, uh, we need to we need. That's why we needed like a much more collaborated uh, approach, you know, uh, especially to make sure about you know in this like uh, um, uh, the coming uh, future, you know, we have uh, people in Myanmar still have a secure 
and also affordable internet access. So I think like at, um, uh, for the, uh, the right now, like uh, um, the, for the individuals, you know, to be able to aware well about these like uh, risks, you know, digital security risks and et cetera. So there are a number of like uh, we see about like efforts, you know, put by, by the, uh, the cyber society groups and that different like at um, uh, institutes and, you know, et cetera. They've been uh, putting a lot of like effort and also uh, so fun, you know, to be able to train people to uh, understand about these like uh, digital securities and etc. And also sharing about these tips, you know, and then to make these like uh, tips publicly available and etc. So definitely, I think these kinds of these efforts are. Um, Definitely, we need it. We need more effort. You know, we need more fun. You know, especially on these uh, these kinds of activities for sure. But stay. You know, we on a daily basis. You know, people on the ground are stay facing the risks. You know, the military has been monitoring their activities. Military has been you know kind of like uh, watching them and you know etc. And they're pulling all these like uh, different data and trying to identify who they are and etc. I think that for that one, we would like to stress you know the importance of you know safety measures. You know, so right now we you know we. Are I mean, this is a quite a challenge right now. We are people in the ground in Myanmar are facing, you know, we are facing the shortage of like, uh, for example, like a uh, digital uh, I mean, safety tools, you know, like even the like uh, people, you know, doesn't really have an extra form, you know, to, uh, to be able to have a secure communication and etc. And then this is so difficult to be able to get the funding, uh, secure the funding for these individuals, you know, to get a secure connection and etc. So in that one, we definitely needed like a lot of like uh, 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 support, you know, from the international community to make sure about like people in inside the countries are stay have a secure communications you know they still have the resources you know to be able to afford to be able to to uh, to uh, to uh, i mean get you know secure communications and secure electronic device and etc so i think this is also we definitely need to and then the other the one is like uh, um there, there are many civil society groups and many individuals like including like human rights activists digital rights activists media and etc this, they cannot operate it inside the country, but they stay, you know, are playing quite important role. Uh, 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 trying to basically getting all these like uh, different resources and also trying to make the issues of the the the, the, the Myanmar to be able to well by the international community and etc. I think these people are also facing is kind of like a. Um, um, major challenge you know uh to be able to kind of like uh, do their work you know outside the country and etc that's me like uh, they could not easily find this uh, this uh, safe house uh, outside the outside the country like along the border with the neighboring countries like a boat inside and also the indian and etc and also they are facing the challenges you know like uh, for a longer stay you know to be able to do their work and etc so i really want to um, to stress uh, at this point you know the international community uh definitely Need to come together, you know, but uh, I think like uh, to to be able to address this issue, one is uh, to be able to have a, a secure uh, and affordable communications. Uh, people in Myanmar can stay, you know, um, to have uh, in these coming months, and also like uh, um, others like uh, safety measures, you know, that's including safe house, including safe device, you know, safe communication channels, and uh, you know, etc. And then for that one, we definitely need more resources, particularly in addressing these issues as well. So we really need it like a collaboration from the international community uh, to be able to address this issue. Thank you. So, Fei-Pio, what more can the international community do to support those working in Myanmar fighting for their human and digital rights? 
So Myanmar is right now, I would say the situation right sinking into these depths of the uh, military digital authoritarianism and people's lives are at risk, you know, constantly at risk. So we really would like to call, you know, international community. I mean, first is definitely like uh, they need to stand. I mean, we would like to request international community to, uh, I mean, to stand in solidarity with the people of Myanmar. And also we would like to stress, you know, um, uh, they are the they are basically like a to prioritize, you know, the situation in Myanmar as a matter of their policy. Uh, I mean, we often see like a sometimes, you know, like a uh, condemning statement, you know, from this international community and etc. But I think the situation right now, it is like a, we need more than that. You know, we definitely need like a concrete measures uh, uh, from the international community to be able to address these issues. Thank you, Oweipio, for this uh, very much inside information. It's really helpful for international and regional organization to seek opportunities to support the Myanmar civil society in resisting against a military hunter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. That was really a good interview. Uh, I think uh, it's really uh, supporting and uh, provide a very inciting information of what's happening in Myanmar related to digital rights and digital safety issues. Uh, for for me, I totally agree with uh, WIPU on the point that uh, we need a lot of uh, digital safety resources to secure ourselves in fighting against uh, very oppressive uh, military hunter. So when we are seeing uh, resources, normally we uh, like imagine like uh, we we see it's only uh, curriculum or manuals or to get. But uh, in reality, on the ground, what we need is uh, physical access. For example, safe house and safe devices and other extra devices. Uh, for example, if you're working for media houses, you have to travel a lot and you have to change your devices all the time so to 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 be able to perform your job uh, on 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 the digital rights or human rights issue in Myanmar you really need a good support and uh good resources uh, to continue your job so that's what i learned from WPO so far and what do you think uh sarah yes i definitely agree with what you said and i think it's important to remember to Weipio's point that while all these digital oppressions are happening and uh, are affecting the Myanmar people, the Myanmar military is actually enforcing and enacting these physically. And so when we talk about digital safety and digital security, we also need to take into account the physical aspects that relate to that. And to your point about the different, uh, the need for resources and the different needs that uh, the Myanmar civil society has, Engage Media is actually working on these resources. And so please stay tuned to engagemedia.org slash Myanmar, where we will soon be publishing resources uh, such as these in the Burmese language. We also want to encourage you to listen to previous episodes on Myanmar and on digital rights as a whole on engagemedia.org slash podcast. You can also listen to this podcast anywhere you uh, listen to your podcasts. So with that, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Pretty Good Podcast and see you till the next time.